verses 13 through 16 and we'll get started in our study. Matthew 5 verses 13 through 16. Refrigeration, salt was used to keep meat from rotting. What does Jesus' statement that you are the salt of the earth tell us about society and the church's role in society? We should be uh, kind of an example. Uh, society is lost in the dark, so we should be out there doing what is right, showing them the, the right way that everyone has not gone over to doing, you know, just being out for themselves. Uh, what has been in the news lately that indicates society is rotting and decaying? Uh, phew, that's a loaded question. <laughs> what, ain't been in the, what hasn't been in the news uh, politics, riots, killings, lootings, just scams, everything in the world. It's not just current. It's like you hear about it because we live in this current age, but it's, that's been from the beginning of time. Yes. It's just more kind of in your face, I guess, now because whatever happens over here in Timbuktu, Texas, it's it's all up in our face up here in Kentucky. When we're before, we never even heard about it maybe, so... It's like Mary saying, ain't nothing new. It's just a new way of making sure everybody knows about it. So with all that going on, what are some practical ways we can act as salt where we live and work each day to kind of stop the rotting process in our, in our society? says make it, I can't remember if it's Paul, Peter, Paul said make it your life's ambition to live a quiet life minding your own business there ain't no need to get up all and carry it up with all this other stuff that's going on just kind of worry about what's going on right now and like Mary said have a good positive upbeat attitude uh, when people start bringing all this negative stuff away either uh, change the subject bring up something else no no you can be kind and you can be considerate and you can be extra kind in, in a situation like this, like you go to a restaurant or something or to Walmart or whatever, you can be extra kind to the person. You, 
you know, hopefully we're always kind. But we certainly don't need to be hateful, and we need to be extra kind, even if, if you're inconvenienced or whatever. Don't let it show to people that they can't help it. I mean, the Walmart employees can't help the way the rules are and stuff like that. Uh, the people at the courthouse can't help the way the rules are. You know, there's just a lot of rules that's been that's made everything change, and, and there's no need to be aggravated and mean to those people because they can't help it. It's like the other day, I got a little thing said, uh, something I'd ordered from Amazon arrived at the post office Thursday before last, and I still hadn't got it. They said it was waiting at the post, so I went up there and asked them, said, well, what's going on? And showed them what the letter out thing, and they said, said, no, said, no, said, there's been, they said, you're the 138th person that's been up here. They said, Amazon or something's going wrong with Amazon, it's showing all this stuff coming here, I said, but we haven't got it. And I said, okay, it's no big deal, and I talked to him, and he was just, he's like, Really? He said, you're the first person that's not just bit my head off. And he said, it's just made all of their days up there just a horrible, horrible day. He said, they said, been on the phone with people calling and screaming and up there. I said, no, I said, it's no big deal. Was that Gary? As the manager up there. He's a nice man. Yeah. He used to work with us. He, I, he had a mask on, so I couldn't tell you what he looked like. That's <laughs> Gary. He would be that way. Yeah, he's nice. the, uh, when I think about the, you, what kind of what we read and what you said in Salt of the Earth, I think about when you put salt on something as you, as you, because you know, most things are cooked with salt or preserved with salt, but some things you may want a little bit of salt too, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And, and you sort of assess that situation and think, I need, there needs to be a little more of that. And I think we, you know, as Christians at any time, right now, but at any other time as well, you know, sort of have to assess the situation. And realize, you know, kind of what you were saying there, the guy at the post office, whatever, like, you know, he clearly, he's clearly told you that, you know, that, that's, it's not there. You know, there's a mistake somewhere along the line. Who benefits from, you know, getting all over it? Who benefits of yelling at him? I mean, that doesn't make the package show up, you know. Uh, and so we have to assess that, I think, and realize, you know, we need to add, a, you know, we need to little, add a little bit of our Christian goodness in this situation. And maybe not every time calls for that. I, you know, that doesn't mean y'all you're mad or mean. But there may be times when you, you, know, you don't need to speak. But there's times when you can handle things a lot better and we need to remember that the way that we are handling that is as a representative of Christ. Exactly. Like Daniel's talking about when you think about the physical salt that we eat, it's a tenderizer for me. So if you, if you think about that and how we should be treating other people, it should be our place to help people be more tender. Because a hardened heart is not going to sacrifice a tender heart. And that's where we're going exactly next is the seasoning part of it. But if you talk to us about majority of the servers, they will tell you that some of their worst customers are church people after church. Say so they, they're, they're grouchy, they fuss, they, they won't tip and everything else. And, you know, that's kind of a big thing. And, you know, we shouldn't be like that. And hopefully they're exaggerating it. But, but if you talk to any of them, just about everyone I've talked to says kind of the same thing. And I hear such savor down strength, you know. Yep. And that's the second part of salt is that it, it adds flavor to things that makes food more appealing to us. As salt, we are to act in such a way that people desire what we have. Whether it's having peace in our life, joy, uh, a clean life, a good marriage, uh, family life, and all these things that seems like the world just kind of really struggles with for a Christian. 
shouldn't be, you know, big thing at all. And that should want people to desire to have a taste of what we've got. Now, there's a whole lot of people that call themselves Christians, and the word Christian means Christ-like. That aren't anything at all like Christ. No, they're not anything at all like Christ. You, you would never know that, you know, with the way they speak, the way they act, even what they believe in. It's that's Christ-like. What and what am I believing? If I believe that I should have hatred for this person over here, is that Christ-like? No. Do I believe that you should do this heinous thing? Is that Christ-like? No. You know, you got to be careful when you call yourself a Christian. Yes. Because you're not. Uh, it'd be like somebody calling himself a basketball fan. I never watch basketball. I never keep up with basketball. I never go around basketball. I don't do anything with basketball ever. But I am a real basketball fan. No, you're not. You know. Well, I'm a Christian. I, I don't ever, you know, I don't attend service to the church. I don't act like a Christian, or maybe I do attend, but I don't act like a Christian. I ball out the waitress, I fuss at the Walmart girl, you know, uh, then you are a Christian. And Christ is telling people like that. We have to, Jesus standing right here knows in three years he's going to be put to death in the most vicious way he can be put to death, okay? But look at the kindness and the goodness that he has stolen to his followers. Even Judas did not even betray him. Yes. Still. The very night he'd been through yeah. And we know that our end then will not end, our end will not end well, most likely for us. It will, some disease or something will come and it will get us, okay? And it may be easy and it may be hard, okay? But we need to be Christ-like. That, we know that's what the world will give us, okay? Unless Jesus comes again. We were, Ben's going to die. We'll read the obituary one of these days. People will be in process, deceased. You know, if time stands. Shelby Roy Hopkins, he's deceased. Cancer, heart disease, you know, body plague, whatever the case might be. It's going to happen, okay? That's what the world is going to give us, okay? Sickness and sin and death. We have to be different from the world. If you're going to be Christ-like, because he gave the same thing to Jesus. So if you're going to be Christ-like, you have to endure, you have to be kind, you have to be a person, as much like Christ as you can be, and take whatever the world throws at you and endure to the end and then go to heaven. What, uh, what happens when you leave the top off your salt in your kitchen cupboard, cupboards? Or if moisture gets in there? You've got a mess. It's not good for anything anymore. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. If we let the world get into us and we start to imitate some of that things, like what some of the stuff we talked about, then that salt is ruined. Uh, now, it's not good for nothing. It talks about that it's thrown out on the ground and trampled under a foot. What do we do in the wintertime when we get ice and stuff on the ground? We throw some salt out there on it. That will keep someone else from slipping. So just because you mess up once doesn't mean you're done for good or whatever. But you need to get out there and repent, share your testimony. Maybe that will keep someone else from slipping down the same path you've gone. But now once you do lose that, that witness, that testimony by doing these things, it is very hard to, to then go out there and try to put on this face like you're, you're a, a good Christian. Next, Jesus says, we are the light of the world. As salt prevents decaying and the spread of uh, evil, how does characteristics role of light complement its role as, uh, complement as the role of salt also? How do they complement one another? Well, light preserves you from injury. Uh, one of the main things it does, if you don't believe that, just walk through the house at night without the lights on and see how quick you stub your toe. Uh, and it hurts bad. Uh, if you 
turn the lights on, the chances are really, really lessened that you'll stub your toe. It still can happen, but not nearly as often, you know. Uh, light keeps us, as we drive down the highway, we need to turn headlights on, you know. We, uh, light is a, it's a, it's a savior in so many ways, you know. Without light, we can't do the things that we need to do, you know, and, uh, and to practice safety. Uh, it's just like the salt preserves, the light preserves. It preserves oftentimes even our very lives, you know. Yep. Uh, you can cure meat with sun just like you can with salt. Uh, you can, it's good for the healing. Uh, vitamin D and stuff we get from it preserves that. And like Roy's saying, it, it kind of keeps you from stumbling and falling. There is no, there is not a single place that is so dark that one little light, one little match can overcome that darkness. Now, it may just be in a little small spot, but you go somewhere like Mammoth Cave and all these places and they turn the lights out, it's pretty dark. But you light one little match, one little flame, and you can see for a big long ways. And it's the world may be dark, but it just takes us lighting our one little flame. And that might be all it takes to help someone out. Ben, uh, when you look at all 13 through 16, pretty much when it's it's talking about how we need to teach. And it's interesting that it's all through action. Sometimes it's better to just live a life full of action sometimes and teach that way than try to sit down and have a one-on-one study with somebody because whether it's religion or politics or whatever you get into, sometimes in the world today it turns into an argument, and you can't win nobody that way. Yeah. So sometimes we can do our best teaching just by the way we live our lives and how we're, you know, because if we live a good life, people will notice that, you know, because we're doing something different than the world. I wish I know who said it, but I don't. But someone said, uh, I, I quote it all the time, preach every day, and if you have to, use words. Uh, biggest part of our preaching shouldn't require any words. It should just be out there us conducting ourselves, copying Christ and imitating Christ. Then it makes me think of that little children's song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yes. And I think that's pretty much what it's saying. Let, let Christ shine through us. But that little song came to mind. I always thought it was so cute. I, I like that song and I sing it often to myself. But it's not just little kids' songs, there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff in there. You know, with what Connie says, some of the best songs we can sing that have some of the best messages will come from little kids' songs. Not from the songs we'll sing during worship today, which I have good meaning to. But some of the best songs we can teach and sing to me is always little kids' songs. Yep. They have the best message ever. Why might we be tempted to hide our light, to not let our light shine? Uh, Maybe it's a desire to fit in, to be like everyone else, not to kind of stick out. Uh, fear of uh, getting picked on or ridiculed or even HR. You know, a lot of days, nowadays, uh, AT&T has policy that you can't discuss religion on your Facebook page. If you have them down as an employer or anything else, you have to, you're not allowed to do it. So that's, I removed it from an employer because I said, that's, you know, that's my right. I'm not going to not discuss my religion or whatever, but... Uh, not want to cause other people's feelings, but there's lots of little things that maybe will want us to hide our light or to encourage us to hide our light, but we can't let that kind of fear imitate us or stop us. We really have to be out there letting your light shine. What did uh, Paul and them tell uh, when they brought him in to meet him? said, you know, we told you not to preach in this man's name, not to teach us. Well, so who should we obey? You were God. And of course, you know, God is the number one important thing, so... He's the one that gave us the job, and he's the one to help us find another job if it comes to that. So we. Peter John, they said, you must obey God rather than me. Thank you.
Yes. They, 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 not, not at church. They're not tall embarrassed there, but in the workforce, they're embarrassed. Yeah. I've seen people before that uh, they worked with for years, and, and when they would finally, maybe <coughs> 10 years later, say that they attended some church service, I thought, what? You know, I've never, never heard of not a smidgen of that. You work with these people eight hours a day for years, and they've never brought, you may have talked about church and things and, and what's going on, but they would never mention it. I think they're embarrassing. I probably work with probably about 30 people or so, and there's two of us that will discuss their God and their faith and stuff. The rest of them, they go to church every Sunday. Uh, if you uh, if you go to the page or whatever or talk to them or whatever, they, they go to church, but as soon as money hits, church of God's out the door. And it should never be that way. <coughs> according to verse 16, what is the result of people seeing our good deeds according to Jesus? They glorify the Father. That's exactly where it should be. Uh, we shouldn't care about whether we get any praise or whether we get a pat on the back or, or wherever we ever get a thank you. As long as someone sees what we do and thinks, you know, praises God or thinks God's good, that's all that matters. Well, and that's like the backpack program that's coming up. The little kids get a backpack, which is really, really good. But there's dozens of people that will say, praise the Lord, you know. And we don't care about individual praise. We care about the Lord getting praise and the church getting praise. And that's exactly, that's the only thing we care about. You know, besides, we want the child to have, have the backpack, certainly. <laughs> because you need, you got to have material possessions. You know, kids have to have backpacks. They need them. They need the crayons. They need paper and all that stuff. They need that. That's wonderful. But God gets the glory. That's the only reason we, we do that. Absolutely. Conversely, uh, or vexedly, what is the, what happens when people see your bad deeds? When people see us as Christians doing bad things, they, God gets the credit for that too, unfortunately. What did a... I can't remember the prophet's name, but the prophet that uh, came in and talked to David and said, you've, Nathan, said, you've given the enemies of God and reason or cause to blaspheme. So just remember that whenever we do things, wherever we're acting and conducting ourselves out in the world, God's getting the credit, whether it's good credit or bad credit. So we need to make sure that we're not giving the enemies of God cause or reason to blaspheme or point an example of God. Um, and being I've always I've thought a lot about Nathan goes to talk to David, and David has done terrible. These are terrible things, you know. I mean, you know, having sex with Bathsheba. She's getting pregnant, bringing her husband home to pretend he has sex with her. So that's the reason of the pregnancy. That don't work. Sends him to the front lines and pulls the troops back from him and, and has, the, has her husband Uriah killed. Okay, these are terrible things. Okay, you're not just he said something, he said a bad word, or he or he didn't act kind to somebody. He did some terrible, terrible things. And Nathan says you've caused him. He said that was the worst thing you've caused him. He said God's place. Yep. Uh, and it, it's true. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And we have to be very careful about that. You know, when you say, well, I'm just going to move in with Susie over here. Don't you were a Christian. But don't hurt me. But I want to just move in with Susie, you know. Because him, he's a God's blessing. He said, I thought he was a Christian. Uh, he stole from this place here. I thought he was a Christian. You know, that's that's that's, that's the kind of Christian he is. You know, that's the kind of people who go to church down there. We still say mm -hmm. that's that's that, that's par for the course. You know, and so we can do so many things. 
we talked about Joseph here a couple weeks ago in class, and, uh, and Joseph had every opportunity in the world to do bad things, and he would not do it. He said, I can't see it before God. That's the way our attitude has to be, and that's what Christ is trying to tell the people here. Don't let your light, let your light shine, because otherwise it's going to reflect David on God. We well, talked about little kids songs a while ago, careful little feet where you go, careful little lips what you say, your ears and all that stuff. So we really need to do be practicing that. Called the apple of God's eye even. So very, very close to a special relationship. And that's why I said just because you've messed up don't mean you're not, you know, you're one and done. Like I said, you can still go like the example Jesus gives about being sprinkled out on the ground and be trampled under feet. Being when I went to work post, I was in Nixville. I'd carry the mail and Tony did too. We'd go in bars, didn't we, Tony? And uh, rough, there's some rough places in Nixville. used to be, I don't know about now. There's some rough places. And mom always, oh, you don't need to go in bar. You don't need to go in got to go in the bar, you know. But she had a good point. Uh, and, of course, everybody that saw you go in the bar with the post office uniform on and, and stay 30 seconds and come back out knew you weren't in our drink. Now, if you went in there and stayed, you took a break, and, you know, sometimes I felt like taking a break because it's always good to in there, you know. Yeah. But I never did because I did not want the enemies of God to blaspheme, nor did I need to be around that evil influence, you know, people drunk. Clearly, were people drunk, you know, and uh, pretty rough places. But uh, you, you, you can't, you can't get too close to that scene, you know, because if you do, you'll have a, a bad influence on you. And you might, you know, you just say, if you as an AT&T guy went down here to a porn shop, and every day you went in there and you worked on the internet or whatever, put a phone line, but you took a thirty-minute break there every day, what would people say when they saw that AT&T They'd say. Every day that AT&T guy goes to the porn shop with it. Yep. Every day. Every day. Every day. And first thing you know, they say, I don't believe he's working on the internet every day. I don't get it. Wouldn't they, wouldn't they say yeah. that? Even if you were, they would start saying, even if you were just taking lunch, that was, if that's what the rumor would become, and it would be very well-founded. Yeah. Men have to be careful. Preachers particularly, they have to be careful. Uh, a male preacher goes to a, a female's house every day to study the Bible. She's single. I mean, she's alone. He's alone. I mean, you know, they, you got to be careful of those situations. I know preachers most time will take their wives with them, you know, when they go to a study like that. And they should. Don't you agree? Yeah, me and my chaplain, we, uh, anytime either one of us counseled anybody or did anything like that, we, right. we always, there's, our offices were connected and the doors always stayed open. It didn't matter how personal the conversations got and whether or not they wanted to, them doors stayed open. Yeah, right. It, it has to. Yeah. What are some examples uh, can you think of where the church uh, or the work of the church or Christians as a general has brought people closer to God? Uh, we already talked about earlier, our backpack program, the way we feed people and stuff like that. But what are some other ways? Those little cards we had out here, the heart-to-heart -heart, uh, program. Uh, world Broadcast Radio that we support and all these other things. And here in the community, if anybody's hungry here in the community, they know I'm going up here to Church Christ, they're going to get me some food. You know, uh, if I ain't got any clothes, they know they can come up or I can get me some clothes up there. Whatever the case may be, they know, hey, we can get their, uh, 
Now, Frank Cleaver always talked about one time uh, we had a pantry up there at Lancaster also, and they people would come up there, and a little boy would come up there to get some food. He says, this is where God lives. This must be where God lives because he's just so happy to get him some food and stuff. He's just tickled to death. But to have that kind of impression, that's what people need. Is when they see this building, when they see us out in the world, hey, that's where God lives, whether it's in our hearts or in this building. And that should hopefully bring people closer to God. What is one way that we can perhaps uh, have a, uh, begin to have a stronger influence as salt and light? What are some things we can do ourselves, not just as a church, but as ourselves and individually, to have a stronger influence on those that see us and, and work with us? What if we spent more time studying God's Word and less time watching the news? Would that help? I think it would help you a lot. 100%. Just talk about what, what did Christ do? What did Peter, James, John, you know, what did they do? What did, you know, Martha, you know, what did anybody do? Uh, and as opposed to watching this sensationalized news that we watch. You know, the best thing is the news turned off. Because uh, it, it, I just think it's the best thing. Because I think it, I think it takes you down a road you don't need to go. You know. Well, not only the news, just TV in general. TV in general, I uh, You know, we spend hours in front of that box, and then we struggle to spend minutes in front of our Bible. Uh, if we spent more time in our Bible study we'd be more apt and more readily equipped to talk to people about God, to answer questions about God, to maybe redirect things about God. But if you don't have the scriptures in your mind, if you don't have them in your memory, you can't pull them out. I was listening to a sermon this past week. I mean, but I was just listening to it, and he was kind of preaching on that very thing. An average American, when they're 65 years old, has listened to nine years of TV. And I tell Shelby about it. I said, how many people could say they listened to or uh, read the Bible nine years of the life, you know, very deep. Or... Yeah. <coughs> so that's one way. Any other ways that people think of? <coughs> good works. Make it a point every day to do something good for someone else. Mm -hmm. Or just There's a saying out there, whatever you think the world needs more of, then go out there and be that. If you think the world needs more patience, go out there and be patient. If you think the world needs more love, go out there and be loving. Whatever you see that the world needs more of, go out there and be that. And people will see that and they will encourage others to do the same thing. So your good deeds, just go out there and just be. Be that thing. You know, this, this, this is called the Beatitudes, what Christians' attitudes ought to be. And that's, that's what we need to go out there and be doing. Any other comments before we move on to our next section? If someone would, go ahead and read verses 17 through 20. Whosoever shall do it, 
and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall receive the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So here we come to a real... Real good, interesting set, which has all been real good and interesting section. But here we're going to get into a little bit more of a, kind of the meat of the thing here. So far, Jesus has talked about Christian character and emphasized the influence we will have in the world. If we uh, exhibit this character and if our character bears fruit in it, and our, that is in good deeds. Now he will further define this character and these good deeds in terms of righteousness and sheds lights on the relationship between the New Testament and the Old Testament and between the gospel and the law. What are some uh, benefits and difficulties of reading the Old Testament? First of all, we'll start with the benefits. What are some good things that come from us studying the Old Testament? Romans 15, verse, what's everything written for our learning? It's... There to understand how the world got started, the plan that God had in motion to bring us up where we are today to Christ's sake. I mean, and you know, if you look back through the Old Testament, see how they had to worship God struggle. In order, we will be thankful that we have the time here to do because there's a lot of scripture back yeah. So we see our history, we learn from their mistakes. Uh, we talked about it here a couple weeks ago. You know, I will never live long enough to make all these mistakes that these people have. So we need to gain insight and wisdom from seeing and learning from them. Uh, Not five minutes ago, we used David and Joshua both as examples. And there are all kinds of examples. That's it. Uh, we can see God's faithfulness. Even though these people were not faithful, it still did not change God's faithfulness to them. He still kept his promises no matter what. You see the long-suffering of God and the patience of God to put up with these people who I would have obliterated 10,000 times. You know, I would have. Mm -hmm. I said, I've done it. I'm not putting up with it more. You know? yeah. and, but I'm not God. But you see God's long-suffering and patience. You see, uh, see his nature. You learn a lot about God. And you, and you see, you see uh, uh, prophecy after prophecy that are perfect prophecies about the Christ coming. And people didn't always understand it, but the prophecies are perfect. He'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll be a line of Jew. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And you see it come true. And that, that reinforces the foundation upon our belief. You know, I know this is going to happen because this stuff was written way, way ahead of time. In Job, the Bible tells that God hung the earth upon nothing, okay? Whenever people brought it at that time, we're not real sure where the earth came from, you know, and how it's, but it's exactly right, you know. You read about the, the rivers of the sea, you know, that people thought for years, that's a joke, you know, but there are rivers in the sea. Uh, there's this, this thing after thing, you know, that we can look around and put our fingers on, that's exactly, <coughs> exactly right, you know. We see the long suffering of God. Yes. In, in the Old Testament, but we also see the justice of God. He eventually, you know, destroyed the world. But it, you know, He gave Noah 120 years, you know, to get ready for it. So we see the long suffering and the justice of God. And and I think the Old Testament is a 
the theme of the whole Bible is bringing Jesus on the scene. Yeah. To, to be the Savior of the world. If, if they would obey His commandments. Alright, so what are some difficulties in studying the Old Testament? Uh, the obvious one to, to me is pronouncing some of them names. <laughs> uh, pronouncing some of the names. Uh, it's an unknown culture to us. For us to see and see the way that they talk about different things, women or different roles like that, it, it, it's very foreign to us. And so it can be very hard for us to kind of grasp. Selling kids off to slaves and all these things, we like, how could you do it? But it, it's a completely different culture back then. So, so that could be a difficulty thing. Uh, We know the Bible through, but sometimes when people look at us, it's, well, that's got to be fake because people can't live no five, six, seven hundred years, you know. But, you know, just their lifestyle back then was a lot longer, you know. Yes. It's just, the whole environment, there was, before the flood, there was no rains, there was perfect, and you know, all this other stuff. Uh, if you try reading Leviticus and stuff like that, you bet. Uh, if you try reading Leviticus and trying to remember all them rules and laws and washings and uncleans and all this other stuff, it's a hard, hard the road to go. Uh-uh. I was and, reading some of that next day and And then uh, the book is just the genealogies, you know, this and this and that. And I, you know, that can be some of the very difficult things with with the Old Testament. But like I said, uh, the, the benefits far, far outweigh the difficulties. Uh, in Matthew chapter 17, we just start, you kind of kind of can split this into two parts. The first part, uh, verses 17 and 18, and, in, and that's the second part, 19 through 20. Uh, what does each one of these kind of emphasize? In 17 and 18, what's kind of emphasized there? Right. And what about 19 through 20? Nineteen through twenty, he try he kinda talks about the importance of the law. Uh, we're gonna see here in the next time, but the scribes and Pharisees taught in degrees of the law. It's okay to break this commandment. And this commandment, if you do it, it's no big deal. But now if you do this one, you're in hot water. And so that's what he talks about. He talks about whoever teaches people to not do or to obey the law should be the least in their command. So he's talking about the importance of the law. So first part he's kind of talking about he came to fulfill it and not destroy it. Another part he's talking about the importance of it. Christ came, he fulfilled the 
nailed it to the cross, and then a new law was brought into existence. So we're no longer running it. So we have to be careful when we say the old law could not be kept. It could be because Jesus did it. Uh, don't sell him short because he could do it, and he did it. Right. Uh, why might some people say that Jesus came to destroy the law? Why might that be something that they was going? That's exactly right. Uh, if someone come in here and started changing all of our stuff that we've taught, said, no, it don't really mean this, now it means this, then, then you'd kind of get a little offended too. You you know, that's no, no, that's what granddaddy believed, that's what mama believed, no, no, no. <clears throat> that's what Jesus was doing. He was coming in and he was telling them, look, you've heard that this is what it said. Let me tell you what it really means. And not just explaining the way the scribes and Pharisees done it, but he actually had the authority and the knowledge of what it really did mean. <clears throat> did we see that with just our way of life? We, we are all very, very reluctant to change, okay? Uh, can you imagine living in 1770 and they're talking about having a, a revolutionary war and we're going to break away from England and we're going to fight this strongest country in the world and we're going to start our own country and it's going to be better? <clears throat> Have you ever tried to put yourself in that shoe? Uh, I, I have. I've thought, I don't know if I want to do that or not. This is, we're going to go against England. They're going to wipe us off the face of the map. And the guys that signed the Declaration of Independence said, well, we're all going to be hung. We might as well be hung together as a separate. Uh, that, that's what their feelings were. But they felt strong enough about it that they pursued that dream. Now, this is just worldly things, I know. But they pursued that dream and then come up with the United States of America, which worked out pretty well, you know. We don't want to change the United States of America today, but there might be a better government out there that would be better than what we have now. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm. It could be. It's possible. I don't know what it is, and I'm not advocating to overthrow the government. But they they advocated in 17, you know, in early 1770s, you know, uh, let's, let's overthrow this and let's, let's do something different. And uh, so uh, that's, what, that's what was happening in this Jewish world that Jesus had come into. We're going to change everything completely. You know about religion, and because the Jews, that was their way of life. It it, it, it was their government and everything. There, even though they were under Roman occupation, they still the Jews. That that's their way of life. And for this guy to get up on his hillside and start talking about changing everything, that was that's a hard one to swallow. Yeah. And that's why he was hated, and that's why he was ultimately uh, took to the cross. Absolutely. Uh, in verses 17 and 18 where Jesus talks about heaven and earth shall pass away but not one jot or tittle shall pass away till all things be accomplished uh, Jesus firmly you know, establishes his view on the Old Testament scriptures and how might that give us confidence in the scriptures what might that Jesus statement there give us to even be even more bolder or confident in the promises of the scripture Jesus tells us that before these things will not come to pass, this whole world and everything in it will do away with. God's going to keep his word. If God says it, if God put it down, it's going to happen. You can bank on it. Nothing, nothing else is going to prevent that from happening. Uh, the previous verses were in such opposition to what the Pharisees and scribes had taught 
that some might think that he had come to destroy the law and their way of life as well as what we was just talking about. But Jesus answers and says that he has come to fulfill, not destroy it, to complete it, to unfold it, to reveal it. How will our responses to the law determine stat uh, our status in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 19. What does verse 19 say about how we feel or how we treat the law will determine our status? Ben, before, you, before we get there, if you don't care about you, you said in verse 18, not one job to kill the Bible. I'm not going to say something like that. Uh, Jesus says that ever just a little curvature of the word, okay, of, of the letter, not the word itself, but just the curvature, you know, a little, a little mark, you know, the T or something or the I or something like that, a comma. Not, nothing will pass away. So, do you... It, it shows Jesus is putting extreme emphasis on how important every part of the old law was. And not one part of it would be done away until it's fulfilled. Okay? That should tell us something in the New Testament. Do you, as being prized, have the, have the right to change God's Word? Well, I know it says this, but I think that's what the world tells me. Okay, I know it says this. I know God's Word says that, but that's a long time ago. And I think that the world we live in now is an enlightened world Like I said, uh, we'll pick up our next week, but it talks about, again, those who teach anyone to ignore or to not pay attention to the full law uh, will be the least in the kingdom of God. And we'll kind of get into that next time. But before we condemn them too hard, just think about this. How many times have you been driving and seen a police car and slowed down? And it's, it, it's no different. People are doing the same thing with the law. You know, hey, God ain't watching. Oh, 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 there, oh here comes church. So be kind of thinking on that, and uh, we'll pick up there next time. That's a good way to end it.